Grooveaholics. Welcome to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Birthed by a love of music, we're all about culture. Don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee. If you gain value from this podcast, personally share it with a friend and explain your favorite part. Let's get groovy. Groovy. What's going on, Grooveaholics? I am pumped up. This episode is great. You're going to love this conversation with Pete Mason. It's a little shorter than some for only one main reason. There aren't tunes on this show. But do not turn this off right now. Ultimately, it's going to keep your attention. It's an incredible conversation. And uh, Pete is ultimately the man behind the music. He's the one who gives artists in New York State a voice. He brings them to the forefront. He gives them publicity. Pete Mason is the founder of nysmusic.com. And he's also the founder of Fan Art, P-H-A-N, uh, based on fish, Fan Art and uh, an entrepreneur, a huge music advocate, and a great person in the New York State community, really giving music and culture a voice. So you're going to love this. Please enjoy me and Pete Mason. Welcome, everyone, to the Rochester Groovecast podcast, your top source for live local regional music interviews and events from Rochester, New York, and the surrounding area. I am your host, Ben Albert, and I am here live with Pete Mason. I'll ask you again, man. How you doing today? Doing great, man. Doing great. Good start to the week here. Good to hear it. Good to hear it. Uh, Pete Mason is ultimately a, a mastermind in the upstate New York area. Uh, he's the founder of Fan Art, Fan Art with a PH, and uh, ultimately founder of nysmusic.com. So, a lot to learn from him on the business end of things, what it's like to be an entrepreneur so long and create something so unique and creative. So, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, Pete, just to get started, you know, from a bird's eye view for anyone who hasn't seen fan art or been to any of the events, what is fan art and how'd you get that started? Uh, so fan art, uh, is a series of, uh, uh, uh art shows, uh, pop-up art shows that take place during, uh, fish dead and company, uh, and, uh, twiddle runs, uh, when they're in a the city for more than a couple of days. Uh, I didn't really start out wanting to, uh, put on art shows. It was, that, that was far from my mind. Um, I was exposed to, uh, some of the artists in the fish scene, uh, uh, in, uh, 2003. Uh, and I had noticed, you know, there was people vending shirts when, in the 1.0 era of fish, but it was when fish returned to, uh, came to Virginia in 2003. I was, uh, I was at my hotel and it was the second morning of the three night run. And we walk out of the breakfast uh, area and there's a little art show going on. And it was a bunch of fish posters. And I hadn't planned for that. I didn't want to buy anything, but I was exposed to it then. And then late in December in Miami, they had another event like that. 
and I dropped quite a few bucks, met a few artists, and started to pay attention to it. And then when uh, Fish had Coventry, uh, their, their you know final shows in 2004, on the day after, when we were driving back on Monday evening um, down 91 in Vermont, I you know took a minute to reflect and thought about the stuff I'd miss. And over the next over that drive in the next few days, I um, kind of thought like, all right, well, there's got to be a way we can preserve what's out there because if everybody's going home right now, they're going to put some of this stuff away. And eventually those, uh, those fish shirts and stickers and posters are going to get stuffed in the corner and forgotten about. Um, so let's archive them now. And the internet was in a very nascent era back then. So there was only so much out there. I mean, we would, uh, when I decided we're going to start compiling this, you had basically message boards um, and quite a few of them um, to, to help. You had eBay, where a lot of people were selling fish shirts um, or any memorabilia of any sort, really. And um, expressobeans.com had some posters, but really low quality. So it, it was kind of like a uh, where's Waldo with Waldo being the where's the high quality version of this image? Where's this shirt that somebody tells me about? And the goal was just to create a complete compilation because at the time, given how in uh you know after they after they broke up uh trey started doing his own thing and um the band just didn't seem to have any connection with each other it didn't seem like they were returning by any means so we i i treated this like you know all right let's let's put this together and i got most of it together in about um three years um, and I put together a mock-up of it and brought it up to uh, Fish's management and showed them, see, it's all the unofficial stuff. Nothing, this isn't a book of different Fish logos or pictures of Trey. It's, it's, uh, it's all the fan-made stuff and with all, the profits were going, all the profits, all the net profits were going to charity. So I wasn't making a dime off of it. They were cool with it. And then I finished collecting in 2008. I ended up with about 1,600 pieces of art, whether it was a poster, shirt, sticker, license plate, um, light switch cover, um, there were just, just just hundreds of items. And now I've probably got a collection of probably uh, close to triple that uh, with all the stuff that they've made since they've come back. So, and that's a digital collection. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not hoarding fish license plates or, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> or shirts or something. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of how... Uh, that's how the book got its start, and the book came out about a month prior <clears throat> to uh, uh, Fish's Return in Hampton of 2009, in March of 2009. And <clears throat> eventually I built a website to help artists and just general fans sell their stuff. And this is prior to Facebook being a place you could put a shirt up and say, 15 bucks DM me. This was the version before that. So around 2010, we had a web store and website on there. And over the next few years, there were a few more of those art and poster shows. And I was brought in to handle some PR because um, that was kind of my area of expertise. So I started getting the word out. And then there was an opportunity that opened up in uh, late 2013 when uh, none of the regular team could put together the show. And they, they, were, they were all going, we were all going in different directions. But I was like, 
I can do this. I think I can do this. Like, what will it take? And a couple of them guided me on it and gave me some, gave me some pointers. And I uh, pulled off a show on November 2nd, 2013. That was the first official fan art show. And we had uh, about 20 some artists and probably a thousand fans rolled through the doors for five hours. Um, and it was, it was a tremendous success. And we've had about 30 shows since then. Um, going back to this past New Year's of uh, 2019 in New York City. Wow, man, that's incredible. It's amazing how, you know, such a strong community can create such beautiful independent art to, to make something like that possible. Mm-hmm. You referenced a, a book. Tell us a little bit more about this book that came out right before that, that reunion show. Uh, so the fan art book was, uh, was ultimately why I was, why I was collecting all these items. And it, uh, I just, I took a look at some other art books and I was like, all right, we'll make a coffee table book and not in like a Seinfeld coffee table book way, but it it was, it was like, all right, we're just going to make a book that just sits there. And and it was great. It, it, it it was four, it was over 400 pages, full color. Um, I do not recommend anybody try to make a coffee table book for any purpose because it's just laborious and color paper, color ink is expensive. So just, uh, it, it came out great. We've, uh, we printed three editions and that's it. And everything else is digital. So, uh, it's wonderful. Um, we sent a few copies to the band and to their archives and sometime in like 2000. 13 or 14, a friend of mine stopped by and she's like, Oh, I've seen that on Trey's bus. I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, like sitting out on the table on his bus. And I, we sent one copy up for each band member. So that was pretty cool. And she's like, yeah, she's like, yeah, we, we look through it all the time and just find different things. So that, that was kind of a neat validation um, to, to hear that. that. That's amazing. That's great. And, and you started, fan art in the middle of a hiatus which some people would be like well why would you do that fish is done you obviously love the band Mm -hmm. any any memories or inspiration that uh really got you into fish and inspired you to take on such a large task like that you know uh it's pretty cool well there was um there there were those two art shows in 2003 that really kind of kicked it off Uh, my buddy john kind of introduced me to the artists not personally but just online and show me all this stuff so i have a lot of art that from the 2003-2004 era because when they came back i was like i'm going to vegas i'm going to atlanta and miami i'm gonna go all and go to the, go to the it festival and i picked up anything i could i was admiring everything on the lot i was well adjusted to it i it uh you know you felt like you were around for a little while then so kind of wandering around and feel like, all right, you know, this is, you know, this is really something. So when I was, um, when when I had that time uh, of the breakup between uh, August 04 and and late 2008, I was pretty intent on making do with that. And if anything, just contributing something back to the community because we, we had all this great stuff and there was never any like permanent record of it. And a couple, a couple of fans had tried, um, not, not a, there's not a ton of, uh, um, cataloging done by then, but what we found online, we were able to 
you know, preserve and, and save because some folks would have just forgotten about it or thrown it out or that sticker would be crushed, you know, in, in a box somewhere. Mm-hmm. So we did everything we could. And then people, and people of course, start sending stuff in right around 2009, 2010. And we get random submissions all the time um, just to add to these extensive fan archives that you don't see. And, and, and you know, the Grateful Dead are the only band that compares to Fish in this regard. But um, a lot of that dead made art didn't last or wasn't preserved either because um, the paper quality of the posters and those might get torn up on tour or, or just, just tie dye shirts and screen printing technology didn't really get to a certain point until, you know, the nineties. So the quality wasn't there. So it may not have lasted, but fish on the other hand, their, uh, the, the fans of fish, um, a creative bunch will, you know, seek out whatever means they need. And it's a way to support yourself on tour, or it's just a way to, um, which is a way to express yourself and your love for the bands. You can you know, you just want to make it a sticker and it costs you 50 bucks for 200 of them and go for it. Um, or do you want to make some art and, uh, uh, you know, make a, a detailed poster with, um, you know, the, with wood blocks, then our blue blocks, then go ahead. Um, but they, um, you know, some folks do it to support themselves on tour. Some, so for some, it's turned into a lifelong career that's branched out from there. There's, there's countless poster artists in, in general that are. I can't even say they're in the jam scene because some of them go well beyond that now, and they're doing prints for bands and and just for the Fillmore in, uh, in San Francisco and uh, just venues across the country. And it's amazing to see, you know, know where these artists started out was, you know, making posters for fish on, on, on fish lot. It's, it's amazing how, you know, a culture or a bartering system very well can turn into a career. And, and another interesting thing, you know, you mentioned there was, you know, the dead's a great example. They were, big in a time where you couldn't really document it the way you can now. And I, I do think there's something real special to be able to document art right from its inception. So Mm. none of it gets lost. Um, Just a thought experiment. I would never want this to happen, but if all the files were to explode and everything were to disappear, is there any, five pieces of art or anything that comes to mind that you're just like, this is the most badass thing I've ever seen. Um, things that you wouldn't want to disappear. Like you could not let it go. Well, of mine personal or just in general, um, we can do uh, both or whatever uh, speaks to you. All right. Well, personal, I'll show you. Actually, I'll show you three pieces of official art in my, in my room right here. Um, one, this, um, I get that reflection out of there. So that's a, uh, that's actually from five years ago, the other day, Sunday. Um, this is from Michael Boyer and it's from the 2015 shows in Commerce City. And my 200 show was the last night. So he did a printing of 200 by coincidence. And I was like, hey, please save me number 200. And he did. And it's a print, so uh-huh. 
and it has to, the sun has to hit just right, but a cool rainbow will show up in here. Yeah. Absolutely one of my favorites. And I snagged that on Etsy because who doesn't love MST3K? Um, and then we have you know, this and one by Grayson Page in Vermont. And if you can see the numbers written in the lights. 2000. Yeah. So it's 1983. Start. Go. Caution for 2000 and then stop for 2004 and just some psychedelic stuff around it. And there's, he only made uh, 20 of those and it was completely sold out. And I got it in the mail surprise as a gift, like two years later Wow. from an unknown person. So, and then there's this one uh, from Vinnie Narrow from uh, Ithaca. He, uh, or Binghamton, he, um, he made this for boardwalk hall and, and Vinnie was staying with us. So uh, I got to see it first, and I got to get number one of 25 of these, and he made some smaller versions. But the best part of this is that you, you see that it says Boardwalk Hall, but there's no dates on it. Mm -hmm. So you look closer. Right. The box are the dates, 1029, 1030, and 1031. And it's all hand-drawn, and like wow. all the way down to the tiny detail. And there's a pipe organ in Boardwalk Hall. Yeah. So... The uh, the boardwalk hall print uh, definitely has some significance. Um, it's also the first time we got to go to a fish show with our friends, from, uh, fish fan friend from Japan, uh, Satoshi. Um, so he was with us that run and got the wings. Uh, that was a little fee year. So that was uh, that was really something. That's a crazy memorable. Uh, yeah, I think that was my first Halloween for fish too. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. And, and there's people here on the Facebook Live. Anyone who listens to the audio version, go to Rochester Groovecast on Facebook. You can see the little tour here. Um, you've got a, an incredible setup with so much artwork. And uh, where where do people, you know, can they see some of this stuff online? Where do they go to check out fan art online? Uh, you can go to fanart.net. Uh, there's quite a bit of art uh, from over the years in there. Some some of it's available for sale, some uh, long sold out, um, and uh, there's some archives going back until, wow, I want to say 2010 is when we, uh, we started the site out with just updates on the book, and then after the first printing, the book sold out, and the second printing started going, but like, a friend of mine was like, okay, yeah, but what's next? Like, you can't just be like, hey, check out my book for like three years, like, eventually it's like, okay, we gotta do it, like, there has to be a second act, so the website and being like, Hey guys, you, you have this great shirt. Do you, do you want to sell it on my website? Uh, and all I asked for was that they, uh, uh, make a donation to Mockingbird, uh, the Mockingbird foundation, which, uh, makes grants, uh, does grants for music ed around the country. Mm. Uh, and they were the beneficiaries of the sale of the fan art book in the first place. So when I had the site, it was like, I don't really want to make money, I don't, I don't want to be a middleman here and take a cut out of your stuff, but I'll put it on my site and promote it if you'll, because people are going to come to my site anyway, but you got to make some money for charity. Over the course of, um, I guess if we go back to 2008 when I started really, when I started doing this in person, uh, through about 2017, we raised about $50,000 for Mockingbird Foundation in this way where, you know, then let's say you made a, a, a shirt and uh, you sold 20 of them on the site 
I'd be like, whatever donation feels good to you, 10% suggested, but whatever feels good. Then you're like, all right, well, here's 50 bucks. And Mockingbird Foundation gets 50 bucks. I don't get, you don't pay me, you pay them. And, you know, and then they, they credit some of that to, uh, to fan art. And, uh, yeah, it, it puts instruments in kids' hands or puts them in a program for music or ukulele um, or, or something. So that, that, that really uh, stood out for, for a number of years. Um, and in the past few years, uh, as I've gotten uh, busier in New York State music and the fan art shows themselves, and the fact that there's Etsy and Facebook and Instagram mm -hmm. stories where you can sell everything in a, in a, in a heartbeat, the, uh, the site doesn't have, didn't, didn't have as much use for that regard. But there's some real gems in there that you might find going back. Um, I know, I know one guy, uh, he made these uh, Back to the Future shirts, but future spelled with a PH, and they're from Hampton 2009, because he found the box of like 10 of them that he was missing. So those are still up there. Wow. Um, so you can find some random cool stuff on there. Uh, I, I always love seeing what was coming in. I, if it felt great to email people and say, Hey everybody, gotta make some money from Mockingbird now and then see the donation receipts come in and like, okay, all right, we're doing some good here with this. And that, uh, it added up over time. Um, and, uh, while I still work with Mockingbird and, uh, um, and raise money for them, uh, I've, uh, Groove Safe, it takes part in, the fan art shows now. Um, Mockingbird would Mockingbird would be at some of the fan art shows, depending on the staffing and, and what they wanted to move uh, merchandise wise. Uh, but Groove Safe is a great cause that uh, uh, promotes awareness about sexual assault at concerts and not touching people and you know, grooving safe. Uh, so they'll, they, uh, they they they've been a part of the fan art shows for the last know, three years, and I, I find. Uh, it's great to expose fans to a new uh, charity uh, and charitable effort that that grew that grew organically from the uh, fish scene. Um, since Mockingbird's fully established and Groove Safe's always going to be a show, um, it, it, it's great to you know basically you know help both. Yeah, Groove Safe is a great organization. It's great to do something that's a hell of a lot of fun that you're excited and passionate about and you ultimately can give back and make people safer, happier, healthy in doing that. Uh, what, what's your first experience with fish? Do you, do you remember your first show? Oh, for sure. Uh, it was uh, December 13th, 1997, uh, fall tour closer. Um, and, uh, I, it was two days after my 20th birthday. Um, a friend that got me a ticket and, I was like, all right, I'll go, you know, I'll check it out. I, I gotten into some of it, but wasn't sold on like the heavy jams and stuff. So it's the end of the tour where, you know, fish destroys America and we get to my hometown and I, uh, three games pretty well. And then proceeded to head down to the Nick, Pepsi, whatever it was. Then it's the Nick. Uh, we head down to the Nick for the, for the show and I, I remember our seats were behind the stage like low 200s and I just sat there waiting and then this band comes out and the lights are still on and this band is playing there for like 20-30 minutes and I was very confused because I expected fish and I expected the lights off and it wasn't and it was the um oh shoot I forgot the name of it uh, oh Jay Willis Pratt and Bionic 
That's who I was. I was going to say Jay Giles. That'd be terrible, but that'd be cool. Uh, yeah, so Jay Willis Pratt opened up for Fish. That was the last band to ever open up for Fish. Hmm. Um, so that was neat, and nobody really. It was, you know, there was there were there were the local buddies from Vermont, and then um, and then Fish came on. I knew two songs: "Great Sample in a Jar" and "Good Times Bad Times." And I remember the "Bring the Dude" jam in Mike's song, and the lights going out during uh, Hood, and it was. It was, it was an experience, but it, it took a few shows for me to really get it. And, uh, and when I did it, I just didn't look back. Yeah. When it just clicks and then suddenly you're hooked. Mm-hmm. Great, man. Um, now how do we transition into NYS music? Where did that come into play? I mean, you had so much going with fan art. Why the heck would you take on a whole new project? Well, that's a good question. So, um, there's a couple of origins to that. So uh, on Fish Tour, there is a, a fan magazine called Surrender to the Flow, and uh, it's distributed for free. Uh, uh, the, the, the the publisher of, of said magazine, um, coincidentally, grew up right right down the road from me in uh, Colony, New York. And Christy had been putting it together since 1998. Um, <clears throat> I didn't meet her until I was putting together the fan art book. And she gave me uh, copies of every issue so I could put that in the book. Um, that, that, that right there is, is amazing because it's such a great resource. Uh, has little information on every show. So um, one thing that she would do for some show, for some of the, um, one thing that she would do for some of the uh, um, uh, articles was like random review, you know, reviews of bands from around the country. And I offered up, and I think it was a review of Bernie Williams, the baseball player. He also plays uh, like a, a salsa acoustic guitar. Um, so, and he does a good version of uh, "Dust in the Wind" and "Taking It for the Ball Game." And he has a couple. He has a good first album. So, so I wrote a review of that, and then. Uh, People had started to know about fan art when I went uh, on fish tour that summer and the shows I saw. Uh, I was up in Syracuse for my buddy's bachelor party. Um, and we're outside the Westcott and I run into Herbie, who I knew from, uh, um, oh man, what was, the, what was the magazine he had back in the day? Revolving Door. So this was magazine revolving door that all the you know, calendar of events in central New York and, and Syracuse and Rochester. And, uh, I, that, that was a resource for me. And then when I left Syracuse, I didn't see it. And then he showed me the, one of the first issues of upstate live and offered me a writing spot. So I started reviewing for upstate live and I did that for a couple of years before becoming an uh, online editor. And then uh, linked up with a few other folks, started getting people from Buffalo to Albany to Plattsburgh, just all over. And they, they knew of me because of fan art and, and eventually the cookbook I did a year later, fan food. Um, and can we touch on that? Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's actually a good segue. Um, so um, actually this is kind of, kind of a little sad. So, so my aunt Ruth died the other day. All right. Mm. So um, rest in peace, Ruth. Uh, Ruth's husband uh, is my uh, uncle Lee. He passed away years ago. Um, I knew him from visiting Mobile, 
And one of my early memories of him is not, I mean, his cooking was phenomenal and just as good as you expect for Southern cooking. He made a cookbook in like the mid eighties and I had seen it and perused it. And it was in the back of my mind of like, we're going to make a cookbook one day. Uh, and I thought that was real cool. And, and the couple of times I visited him and, uh, and he, uh, him and Ruth, um, and they made, they made every meal and it was just, insanely delicious and some of the recipes are in there and some aren't so he um he was a little bit of the inspiration behind that and my friend tara lee reached out to me uh, and said hey what what if we do a uh, cookbook i'm like hey what about it i kind of want to do that and it took a year and a half for us to put get 80 recipes together and have it all published and that also benefits charity that benefits uh, food banks in albany and burlington and as we get uh, income from sales, we uh, disperse it between the two. So, um, so yeah. So between the fan art book and fan food and fish returning and and going to a lot of shows, that kind of you know, I, I kind of started being like, all right, well, let's see what other bands are out there too. Because from 2004 to 2009, uh, I've seen a lot of Mo, I've seen a lot of Umphrey's, a lot of bands locally because we needed our fix somehow, uh, and. By um, yeah, by 2013, we had a pretty functional site with Upstate Live, a good crew around the state. And then uh, 2015, uh, we decided we were going to just gonna branch out and start our own uh, thing. And we started NewYorkStateMusic.com, NYS Music. And from there, we've uh, expanded the whole state. We, we stopped uh, going as far south as Newburgh. So we got the entire state, New York City, Long Island. And it's just statewide coverage of uh, a, 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 quite a variety of items now. But at this point, so we have so any up and coming band or artist that's looking to get some press, we're the ones that we want you to reach out to. We're you know we know how hard it is, and I'm saying that as a, um, a fan of bands and knowing musicians and having managed the band, it is. Um, it's difficult to get press sometimes. Like you really have to know somebody. And, and hope they like what you're what, what you're playing, and you know we'll, we'll we'll give anybody a shot and 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 check it out and share that with anybody uh, with our with our readers and our audience. So um, so it's up and coming artists, it's established artists that that Peru that cross the state. So Fish, Mo, Disco Biscuits, you know members of those bands all have roots in the state, and they uh, they have huge followings. And then there's the touring bands that pass through. Um, as of late, it's like Goose and Billy Strings. You know, may not be from here, but they're pretty mm -hmm. close, and you're gonna love this stuff. And then there's those uh, historic artists that we have been making an effort to highlight and celebrate the history of the state by um, bringing together, uh, you know, all the great musicians around the state. We have a thing called New York Series, and um, we're gonna be expanding that soon. So we've looked at with that Rick James um, from Buffalo, um, Cab Calloway, Rochester, a lot of folks from the city in Long Island, whether it's Blue Oyster Cult or Jay-Z, um, Mariah Carey, um, Wu-Tang Clan, and Pete Seeger, and Lana Del Rey from Lake Placid, State Champs and Blotor from Albany. There's, there's more bands from, from here that have, you know, historical value than I think you might find anywhere else. Uh, and we've been, you know, 
branching out and making sure to cover and cover a great deal of uh, New York music history. Um, since there's so much, so much out there and we just keep finding new stuff on top of that. Incredible state for music, man, all across the board. How, how did you expand to, you know, the Southern regions and out of the upstate central area? Um, obviously the world's going remote now. You must've done a lot of networking with people all across the state. How did that, you were doing it before we had to, how did that look? Well, it, it was, you know, in the same way that we want to have artists available, you know, uh, have a uh, an outlet available to them where we'll, you know, you know, give a, you know, a, you know, a fair shot at any band that wants to reach out. Uh, it's also the same for photographers and writers. So, shift back to like 2010, and if you're a photographer, uh, how do you get into shooting a show? You have to be with an outlet. They don't let most most uh, most venues don't want freelancers. Um, and if you're a writer, what value do you have if you're just going to show up to the show and write for free? Like, you know, or you write and get in for free. Like there, there's gotta be some trade off there. So we kind of learned, you know, you know, we kind of learned from scratch and you know, saying we, like, you know, there's been a team of editors. Um, you know, my good friend, uh, Tim O'Shea from, uh, uh, college in Syracuse. He, uh, he's in, he's been a writer and now an editor, uh, at New York state music. He, um, uh, he and I would, you know, start writing, you know, previews and reviews of article uh, of show previews and later reviews of shows. And those previews are much more helpful to the promoter and they love, um, love, love seeing those. So you bring in some writers that want to do this and maybe they want to write about something in town ballroom or Nietzsche's or bug jar, um, or flower city or wherever in the state. And we kind of give them, you know, show them the ropes of, here's a good way to do this. You submit your article this way. We've got all the rules kind of, you know, the, the, you know, all the steps kind of planned out and in doing so, um, I mean, really dozens and dozens of artists, uh, dozens and dozens of photographers and writers have gotten their start with us. Um, some it's just a, you know, they do it for a couple of years and then life, you know, moves on. Some folks, you know, don't want to, you know, they start and then they stop. Uh, and then there's some folks that make it a career and have gone on to write for um, other outlets. And, you know, some folks have written for Relics, Jambase, uh, Live for Live, um, um, Rolling Stone. <laughs> uh, and it's it's been impressive to see where people go. So seeing when somebody has a somebody you shot for us three years ago has a photo in Relics or they're on tour with Twiddle or Disco Biscuits and you just sit back and you're like, all right, well, they got their start with us and it's cool to see that. So just like musicians are, are going to, and bands are going to be able to get, uh, you know, the first taste of press from us usually same for photographers and writers around the state where they're able to finally practice their craft uh, and journalism jobs and, and, and photojournalism jobs are not easy to come by, especially without experience. And as a teacher, I always ran into about 15 years ago, I really ran into the issue of, um, oh, hey, I want to apply for this job. Oh, but you need experience. Okay, well, I need a job in order to get experience. You can't get experience without a job, and it's a vicious circle. So we kind of stop that circle by saying, you want to write? Go ahead. And um, it took me up until, honestly, it took me until quarantine to realize to what degree uh, teaching was involved in this because there's some writers where it's like, 
good. All right, this is this is fine. Let's let's run it. And there's some where you work with them, and um, just like working with my students and their writing, we, you know, you work with some others. Some some folks need need a hand, some some don't. And taking the time to help people become better writers makes a better product, better website, represents everybody in a stronger way. Um, and we're kind of doing that now with our college interns that are uh, just already knocking out of the park. We've had a uh, great success there. So. It's great. And this is a big call to, call to action to anybody in the music industry, whether you're a venue, an artist, a writer, just a fan who wants to be a writer, an owner, if you do photo. Ultimately, you want to build an electronic press kit. You want to build a portfolio. Mm -hmm. That's how you get into jam base. That's how you get into relics. That's how you grow as a freelancer and uh, take the steps in your career. So what better place to start than locally with your favorite bands, your favorite venues, your favorite people? And, and it's uh, you just said you have internship opportunities. There's plenty of opportunities for, for people to get exposure, right? Yeah, we've had um, we've had uh, interns and uh, writers from Syracuse University's Bandier program, um, uh, SUNY Albany, SUNY Cortland, University of Buffalo. Uh, have our first uh, first intern from Skidmore this this uh, semester. Um, we, we 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 target Albany, SUNY Albany, and University of Buffalo first, um, just to get each end of, get two major scenes in the state outside of New York City. And the results were great. Over the summer, when, um, well, the summer session kind of started like late May. So I had a little crossover time between finishing virtual teaching um, for because I'm an actual special ed teacher right now. Mm. And the, um, I'm sorry, uh, the, uh, the, the, the interns work in various areas and writing and, uh, and then marketing and, and news, and they, they get to learn this skill. They, they get to learn a skill they're probably not going to get elsewhere. And because of COVID, there was, you know, you didn't get your, hey, I'm going to go and live in the city for the summer and have an internship there and, and, and do that. And so, eh, no, not now. And I didn't expect to have as many interns, but we got quite a few, and, and I was incredibly impressed. Like, they were prepared. They were, they were hungry. They were hardworking, all of them. Um, and it was when I really started to realize because I was virtual teaching from roughly noon to five, uh, with my kids. And then after either before noon or after five o'clock, I'd be talking with the interns and, and assigning them things and, and, uh, fine tuning some stuff. And I was, it, it just felt like a natural transition. And these interns are also maybe four years older than some of my students. So you're just relate, you're relating to a slightly more mature individual who's got an eye for journalism and, and, and a career on their mind. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, and some people know, some don't. At one point, probably two years back, I was writing for NYS Music. It's a ton of fun. Everyone should do it. Um, to be honest, probably the number one only reason why I didn't is I was trying to build the brand of Rochester Groovecast as a full-service company, as a blog. There's a little narcissism that you want to build your brand when you're mm -hmm. doing all this work. But one thing I'm noticing, and we're gonna Pete and I are going to talk offline, is 
I think I want to start transitioning back into NYS music specifically because I want to reach more people. Um, that's what's most important. Um, when we have these conversations and I have musicians on here all the time, I want them to get in front as many people as possible. And uh, if you're listening to this, it sounds like NYS music's a great way to do it. If you have a passion, you want to get in front of a lot more people as well. What what has COVID looked like, man? I mean, I've talked to so many musicians that are working on their craft, they're live streaming, but ultimately they're they're going a little crazy because they can't play live and then none of us can go see them play live. It's completely different world. What's how's that affected your journalism career and NYS music as a whole? Well, at first, it, it seemed, especially in March and into April, that w- what are we going to write on? That was, that was like the first thing. And, and then immediately it was like, we have a lot to write on. We have, I, I, have a, I have a whole Google Doc full of topics that we just hadn't explored, and a lot of them were historical stuff. And I will say, nostalgia is playing well these days because we want to remember Oh yeah, we did that. Like today, I looked at the date today when I came into school. Um, I was like, "What's the date?" It's like, "Oh, it's nine eight. I'm like, "Oh, nine eight two thousand. That was the beginning of fish fall fall fish tour in two thousand. And I was like, "We have an article on that." So I went out and and reshared it, and oh, I, I reread it, and I was like, "Okay, this is good." And it's all the ninety seven to two thousand shows. So I reshared it, and I was like, "All right, so we have that, but there's also fresh stuff that we want to do." So We've been writing some more anniversary posts of Dead Fish and other related events like Garth Brooks holds the largest. I didn't know this. Garth Brooks has the record for the largest concert in Central Park. That's like 90,000 people or something. And wow. in nine, 1997. This is the fun stuff we learn about. Um, yeah. And, we, you know, it, it does bring in a fair amount uh, of, of traffic. And then there's uh, we have this New York series I mentioned. Um, Ryan Rendazzo and, and a couple others uh, will write on that, and we look at songs that are inspired by New York City. So uh, I, I know the very first one in our series is uh, Bob Dylan uh, talking New York, um, and um, there's Jay Z, where I'm from, and oh, it's that Billy Joel song, New York State of Mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we've got pretty much everything. There's um. The Rick James song, Pass the J, um, uh, J Roll song, something like that. It's when he moved back to Buffalo and he wrote an album all, all about his experiences in Buffalo. Because um, there's a lot of history in this state. And with, I mean, Albany's only the fifth biggest city in the state. And we've got our own heavy amount of history in Albany. Uh, plus, you go all the way down the Hudson Valley, you have all these small towns, and that's where you know, Pete Seeger lived in Beacon for a good chunk of his life. Uh, there, there's all these little gems and historic spots. Um, you know, just up the road from me is Cohoes Music Hall, and that opened up uh, 1888. So it's been around for 140, 130 plus years. You, you can't like you, you can't beat the fact that it's still operating and we get to experience music there so i uh um yeah it's uh you know the the diversity of this scene and and everything that we can do to highlight it has been our focus during the time because once music comes back we'll go cover shows and we'll we'll have the news on the tours and and everything and, and let you know where to get tickets 
but in the meantime, it's it's kind of a good time for us to like you know, you know, just like a lot of folks are like, all right, well, let's, let's let's make some sourdough bread, let's make some banana bread, let's get into smoothies and let's clean the house and make an addition. Well, we're kind of doing the same thing over here in that we're you know we've we've improved the intern program immensely and you know having great results out of that. We've had a um, um, focusing on the history. We've been covering every bit of news that we can uh, from around the state. You know, the last couple of weeks it's been, you know, people are suing and getting ticked off at the state liquor authority. People are going to vent, and I, and I completely hear them. Some of these regulations are a little silly, and it would be nice to have that incidental music uh, rule relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you had to do it in phases, like they did phase one, two, three, and four back in uh, May and June. Why not do it and just say, hey, Buffalo's in phase one. You guys are good. Go back to having shows, but you got to cut your capacity by half. At least you can have the shows and bands can play because people do need to make a living. Um, and it's not just the bands. It's the bartenders. It's the door guys. It's the merch girl. It's the lighting girl. It's the it's the cook behind the scene. It's everybody. So they're, you know, I don't want to rush it because I don't want to go through this whole lockdown again. It was miserable once, and New York's been good about this. Mm-hmm. for the most part um chain smokers aside so when we come back from this you know i i i just hope we can ease back into the live music soon it's starting to get starting to get a little uh starting to get a little weird i went to whole labor day with you know i can stream fish but right it's not the same not being in colorado or just dancing at a festival and you know i miss it yeah i think we all do yeah, we do. And I think I've mentioned this on the show, but I want to shout out Three Heads Brewing in Rochester. I think the template they provided was brilliant. Um, what they did, if you if you didn't hear about it, is ultimately they were selling 10 tables. They had a ticket price. Each table has four people. Um, and they're like a third a quarter of capacity having 10 small tables with four people on table. And ultimately... It's like showing up to a restaurant. The only difference is that you're paying a ticket <laughs> to get in. So it's no longer incidental per se, but it's like sh- showing up and sitting at a restaurant. You know, it was a lottery where hundreds of people would want to go to a show and only a small amount could go. They would oh. live stream it. The whole concept was brilliant. It worked. That got shut down. So everybody's feeling a little bit of, anger and frustration about it all i do connect to though how you were saying before that ultimately uh nys is focusing on history of music you know focusing on all the things that has happened in the past growing the history and culture of rochester um you know it kind of reminds me of you go to a show and there's a sunset and it's your favorite song and you're like oh my god this is the greatest thing ever then there's no more shows. What do you do instead? You go on a hike on a mountain or you do something mm-hmm. like that. There's a sunset and the sunset itself is actually 20 times better than the sunset that you caught at the show. And it's almost my, my, my metaphor here is we're starting to appreciate uh, the things that have always been there, the history of music uh, and things that have mm-hmm. built where we are today. I, I'm hungry, though 
for when things do open up and we can get back at the show because I feel like everybody everybody's going to appreciate it 20 times more. I know I'm itching, man. I, 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 it's, it's crazy, man. <laughs> I, I can't wait. I, I've seen three socially distanced concerts this year um the the first one was uh, was amazing and uh i won't say the band's name so i don't get them in trouble but they played uh uh, in cars uh, cars and people were in their cars and they're honking their horn and i was like oh this is nice and then but they did the same thing uh, when aqueous played uh uh out Mm -hmm. near not in Buffalo. It was near Buffalo, right? Um, they did a Buffalo show, and then they did a show in a, another town that I'm forgetting. It was the Perry one. Oh, got the it. One, um, it's the, it was the, the one that's closer to Buffalo. They did, they did a fish's horn, and people were honking their horn. Mm-hmm. There's that cool thing. Um, I watched another show, and it was really socially distanced, and went down to Jersey for another. It was, very, it was a private show with... Um, uh, dead cover bands, and I will I will hype these guys. Dogs in a pile, they're great. They're from North Jersey. They're in their like early twenties. They're gonna they're gonna be great. They're they're they are great. But you're gonna everybody's gonna hear about them when this is over. So for we so we saw what we saw. It wasn't a dead cover band. It was a Zeppelin cover bands. Oh okay, cool. Phenomenal. Yeah, called Black Dog. Yeah, that was ooh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, they didn't even play the hits. They played like rare stuff and then a couple hits at the end. Good stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm waiting for it to come back. I know how that feel. I know that feeling of waiting for your favorite band or just now any music to come back. <laughs> when when the lights went down for Fish and Hampton in March of 2009, I can still feel and get chills from the from the sound of the crowd. That that was just ethereal, and there wasn't a dry eye in the house when they started Fluffhead, and then. I, I'll go see whatever live music there is, but you know, I know when my favorite bands come back and I can finally see Fish and the Disco Biscuits and and Goose in, in a normal setting, it's going to feel better than it ever did. You, it really take, you know, you take, take some time away to appreciate it like no other. Yeah, that's the truth. That's mm-hmm. the truth. Yeah, man, shoot. When it comes to, to creating companies, all the right, I've got so many questions still. But I know we've got a hard stop coming up. Uh, I'm going to have you on the show again for sure. Awesome. And, and we already said this, but I think it's really important if you're listening uh, to check out nysmusic.com to get involved. You can start now. We can do things without the live shows. It sounds like there's a tremendous amount of opportunities. And no matter where you live in New York, you're going to know a little bit more about your smaller city uh, than we will in a city outside it. So if you're from Rochester, that's great. If you're somewhere else, that's great as well. Uh, Fan art, obviously check out fan art, P-H-A-N art. Get the fan cookbook. Get the fan coffee. I mean, Trey's got the coffee table book. So, are, is there more for sale, or is that pretty much done? Nah, that, that all sold out. That that was a diff. Like at first, it was like, all right, we're gonna print the. We got we got a quote, and it was print two hundred fifty. Mm-hmm. And it the the cost per book was it was it was high. And by the time we reprinted the last time, we could only afford to reprint fifty. And I finally sold out of them. I think last sometime last fall around Christmas, somebody picked one up. I just, yeah, it, it, it's a, it's, it's a big ask basically to, to invest in that, um, 
uh, to invest in the in, in the fan art book to to reprint it. But it's on it's digitally available on Amazon uh, in a couple pieces uh, and a couple different files. So you can get it for your Kindle um, or oh, nice, cool. And fan foods also available digitally, um, but we have I have print copies too. Um, you can get that at fanart.net. Um, and um, if you're a dead or a fish fan, uh, we I have two children's books that I've done with. Well, I've done three children's books with uh, Ryan Kerrigan as an illustrator, uh, and those are um, uh, the little the alphabet book for little fans, and the Grateful Book of Letters. And we do have another book coming out. Um, it is uh, the number book. That's all I'll say. We haven't, we haven't uh, got official yet, but I'll, I'll say it here that, that there's another kid's book coming out this fall that'll, uh, I think, any um, aspiring parent, is that the right word? Um, you know, soon to be parent, I guess. Sure. Any, I guess anybody's an aspiring parent. Uh, aspiring yeah. parents or current parents or grandparents, it's, it's going to be a great gift for fish kids to learn some numbers. Mm, cool for the for the young ones yep yeah it's uh yeah that that, that's been a fun thing for me to take uh take my education and apply it to some fish related things and tie the two together so um really dug that i love it dude there's so much more to talk about there's one last question i want to ask even though we're short on time i ask every single guest so i'm not gonna give us an exception here billboard side of the road, massive billboard, everybody's going to see it. Maybe even the aliens are going to see it. It's so big. And there's uh, all races, all genders, all kinds of people are going to see the billboard. You get to control what is on that billboard, whether it's an image, it could be fan art of some sort. It could be a quote. It could be something short. It could be something that you just made up on the spot. Uh, But at the end of the day, you get to control what's on that billboard. No wrong answers. But what would you put on that billboard and why? Huh. That is a great question. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, you know, for right now in September of 2020, uh, if we're doing this right now, I'd probably just put up, you know, arrest the cops that shot Brianna Taylor that would, and put their names up there. That would probably be the best thing to, to use if I had a whole billboard to myself. Amen. Yeah. Thanks again for coming on, Pete. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, totally. to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee. Share this with a friend and tell them exactly why they should listen. And don't forget to keep it groovy, baby.